So with me as I pray, Father, I just thank you, Lord, um, for who you are. I thank you that regardless of whether we didn't have a father, a physical father, or we had a rock star father, you are our perfect and good, good father. Lord, I thank you that we can gather as your people and soak in your goodness. Lord, that I thank you that, that we will never be closer to eternity than, than when we gather as your people, because that's what we're going to be doing forever. Um, so Lord, I thank you for the taste of your grace that you have given us already this morning. Those little grace gifts of verses from a friend on a phone or um, answers to prayer on a pipe or um, just how you have ministered to, to, to hearts of people that we are not even aware of in this place this morning. Lord, I want to pray now that that would continue as we worship you in your word. Lord, that you would remind us of just what a prized possession of you we are. Lord, you are our Father. You will do anything to save your children, including sending your only begotten. We worship today because of him. Lord, meet with us now. We look forward to the ministry of your Spirit in this place this morning. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the word. I don't know. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals, and its kind. And this is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw it was good. And God said, let us make human beings in our image to, to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his, his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant through the earth, and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for the wild animals and the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made and saw it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Elijah. You can just put that down. You may have a seat. Grab your Bibles. You can open them up to Genesis chapter 1. While you are doing that, I'm just going to ask you a couple of... Well, first of all, happy Father's Day. Um, you know, these these made-up holidays are kind of weird to me, but I, I am wearing a tie. I don't, want to, I don't want to make it sound like I'm setting a bar really high. I did not have a tie on this morning. However, you, if you can't see it, or if you're, those are watching online, it's a picture of my three daughters back when they still loved me. They were probably, what, like one, three, and five? And so I was coming down the stairs, and Abby says... Dad, you should be wearing your tie today. So I ran back upstairs and put it on, much to her chagrin, because now she says I look like a dork. So that pretty much that pretty much solidified the deal, right? So happy Father's Day. Um, how many of you guys are dog people? Dog people. I knew we had some dog people here. I just want to let you know, as we start this series that we're talking about being the summer in the solas. I would love for that to be like some chain of islands in the San Juans up in Washington where it's probably 65 degrees right now. That's not what they are, right? The solas are part of what are what 
they came out of what we know of as the Reformation to get the church that had wandered away from the truth of God's word back onto the truth. And we're going to be going through those this summer, um, but we're going to start today with the message where it all starts, and that's with God. And we're going to be talking not about one of these solas, but part of what is our concept or a doctrine called the Imago Dei. And it means to be an image bearer of God and why that matters. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. But to make my point, I think, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our dogs. I know. So I have always been, I mean, I've been a dog, I have known, I have had dogs longer than I've had Jesus. Like, no kidding. I've had dogs for 30 years. I've had Jesus for about 27. I've, I have, we have owned, in, in our married life, we celebrate 25 years of marriage next, a week from Tuesday, and in our married life, we have had seven, we've owned seven dogs. We only have two left. The others have all died of old age, right? And so I, I love our dogs. I, I, um, I cried on every single one of their deathbeds. Um, it, it is crazy what a dog can do to you, right? And so our last dog that we had that, that went on to doggy heaven, her name was Gracie, and I should have thought to have a picture of her up, and she was the mama of of the litters that we had, and many of you have seen or know Gracie, and she was a sweet little dog. She lived to be 14 years old. She was blind for about the last three or four of those, but she was so smart. Like, even completely blind, she knew her way around the house. She knew, like, like unless somebody was standing where they normally wouldn't be standing or we moved a piece of furniture, she'd run into that thing like full bore. But any other time, she knew her way around. She was a good mom. She gave birth to seven puppies over two different litters. Um, she was a sweet, sweet dog. And... Um, we woke up, we knew the time was coming, you know, that, that, that it was going to come to an end, and she was getting old, and, and when I woke up one morning, and she was obviously in a lot of pain and could not control her back legs at all, and so I, ha I think I had a meeting or something, and so I had, <sighs> not looking over there, um, so I had, to, um, I had to go to a meeting, I'm like, just, you know, take care of her, maybe massage her back, what, whatever, give her some ibuprofen, just do whatever you can do, and we'll see how, she wasn't getting any better. And so about mid-morning, we're like, okay, we got to take her to the vet. And, and where are those people? Because we are so emotive, we're so emotional, like we know up front, here's what we are, are not going to spend on a dog. Like we're not one of those people that's going to get there and go, you know, and, and the vet's like, yeah, what they really need is a brain transplant. And you're like, okay, I don't care. I don't care if it costs $2,000, just do it. Like we're not those people. And uh, one, we can't afford to be those people. But two, that just wouldn't be a good stewardship. But so, I, so, we, so we're going to take the dog to the, to the vet, and we're, and we're pretty confident that we're not going to be able to afford whatever it is that would maybe fix her, even if there was a fix. And so, you know, I, ha I have the girls. I, I'm not, I, I can't remember exactly if Abby and Ky I think Kylie was already at school, at work. And um, so I, I, this, Abby says goodbye. Carrie's like, I'll go with you to the vet. Emma is working at QT at the time, early morning shift, so we stop by her QT so that she can say goodbye to Gracie, right? Now, this is, back to, this, this is all going to make a point here in a minute. Like, this is how, how this little dog, it's a dog. Did I mention it's a dog? And so we're driving out of our way so Emma can come say goodbye. So she comes out to the car. Carrie's holding Gracie, and she's panting, and is still in pain. And, so, and, 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 and here's, here's poor Emma, comes out with her little mask on, and, everything, and, she's, and she starts crying. She and I are standing in the doorway of the QT, hugging each other, <laughs> like sobbing, like literally sobbing. Did I mention it's a dog? 
right? We get to the vet, and the vet is, we, we have a great vet, phenomenal. I'd recommend him highly. I mean, he is so gracious and compassionate. And, and, and they bring him in, and I, and, I, and, it's, and I have her sitting on this, they have these private rooms that you go into, and I have her on this little counter, and they look at her, and they're like, yeah, and they kind of said, you know, we could try something, but it's probably not going to work. And, and they said, why, you know, why don't we just give you, and I'm just like tearing through the whole thing as he's talking to me. And he's like, I'm going to give her a shot just to let her calm down so she's not in pain anymore, and, and hopefully she'll go to sleep in just a couple minutes. Well, that couple minutes took like 15 for her to, and, and the whole time he would, he would come back in the little room and he'd see me and he'd be like, all right, I gotta, I'm going to, because I am just, and all I'm trying to do, all I'm trying to do is as she's falling asleep in my, and I'm, and I'm holding her, I'm just trying to say, you've been a good dog. You've been a good dog. And I, and I couldn't, I mean, like, like, like the countertop is drenched in her saliva because you, <laughs> and my tears and my mask is filled with snot. I mean, like, because I'm at this point, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just wiping my face with my mask because it's just like dripping out of me. And I, it's, she was a dog. Now, guys, I, and then you, now I, I get that for, for some of you that are here now, for some of you that are listening online, are, you, you're like, hey, you don't, you're obviously not appreciating because my dog is, is, like, like I, my dog is smarter than most people I know. My dog loves me more than most of the pe- most other people love. I, I, guys, here's the problem. We have so allowed that kind of thinking to creep into our lives, even as Christians in the church, that it pollutes how we see the world. I mean, it is, it is scary just how much, like in, in our own lives. And I share that story to go, I'm not beyond it. I'm like chief among sinners in that. And because of some of the stuff I'm going to say in a few minutes, I don't want you to feel like, like I'm just this cold-hearted person. I love animals. I love dogs. I think we are, as, as the passage um, Elijah just read says, we are called to be good stewards and to love and care for and, and help all of creation flourish. That was what God's call on our life was. But we have carried that to an un- a really unhealthy place that, frankly, way beyond dog stories, has done massive damage to our thinking even within the church so whether it is global warming or gracie and and my little struggles with her what i want to what i'm wondering is how much of your thinking about creation comes from what the world has like seeped into your thinking or you've just experienced and what god's word says Right? Is, is it more worldly or is it more wordly? And, and one of the first things is the table talk question. They're not all on the back of your bulletin, but I just want to stop for a second and ask you guys this question. How has worldly thinking polluted your view of the creation order? Without you even, maybe you've never really given it a lot of thought, maybe, not just about dogs, just about, about anything that you see on television. You're watching those nature shows, you're watch, and you're like, wow, look at, look at how human these animals are. And you, that subconscious thought is, has crept into our minds without us even knowing it. And I'll tell you in a few minutes why that really matters. And how, how has it crept into the value that you place on the rest of creation? Because here's the thing. The, the inability to, to, uh, to, for the church, and remember this series is really about what are the basics of what we believe. So that, because whether it's you personally sitting here, whether it's, people you're going to go spend Father's Day with afterwards, unsaved, or nominal Christians that you're going to go hang out with afterwards, or coworkers or classmates. The world we're going to look at for a few minutes today is the world that most people are living in. 
and we want to we want to know one that God's word has great answers for the questions and two we need to know what those answers are like what are the answers for what, why do humans matter more than the rest of creation right and, and and some of you are sitting here going well of course they do and I'm here to tell you the reason the world is in the mess is it, that it's in is because in the last hundred years or so, Satan has systematically removed that thought from all of humanity. And it is to, the, to our detriment. Because not, not believing in and, and really focusing on this doctrine of the Imago Dei, it causes us to think about human life differently. It causes us to think about the rest of creation differently. It causes us to think about sin differently. It causes us to think about why we're even here differently. Like, what is the purpose of your life, right? Why do we struggle with this so much? Why, why do we struggle so much with this idea of, of being image bearers of God? It's because we want to be our own God. Like, ultimately, it's all about idol worship. Guys, here's the thing. We want the kingdom without the king. Right? That's the bottom line. We want, we want to be the, the ruler of our own domain. We don't want to be in the image of anybody. We want to define our own image. And what we've seen happening, the whole LBGTQXYZ movement has been all about redefining your image moment by moment. And we sit there and go, and I genuinely would love to just sit with someone and, and not argue with them, but just ask, how, did you, how do you think you got to this place where the concept of gender fluidity is even like logical, right? The answer is not all at once. And we're going to look at that, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1, not the whole chapter. I mean, we'll look at the whole chapter, but we're not going to read the whole chapter. Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see an answer to this question. Why is knowing you're an image bearer of God so important? Like, why start this series here? Why does this matter? Guys, what do I want you to own and take and share with other people is that if we understand that, it, like, here's why. Because that when we know our place in creation, relative to everything else in creation. It affirms how prized we are of God and helps us live out his mission. So let's look at knowing our place in creation. So open up to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. So it should be fairly easy to find because it's right at the beginning of your Bibles. It's to the left of Revelation, Jeff, just so you know. Ha, ha, ha. Well played. And let's take a look at knowing your place in creation. So so Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. And, I, got, and, and you can't, I, I cannot read that and not stop. Right? In the beginning, God. God is not running for God. He is not petitioning to be God. He is not asking your opinion about whether he is God. He is not, he is not telling you, here's where I came from. Because he's been all, he's been, he is self-existent and has always existed. We do, but he is also revealed in God created the heavens and the earth. He is revealed in creation. David writes in Psalm 19, all, the heavens declare the glory of God. Paul, when he's going to write out the, his, his great thesis on the gospel in the book of Romans, where does he start? That God has made himself evident to the world. How? Through what was made. Through creation. So it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Right? And then look at verse 3. And God said, let there be light. 
And then it says, and I'm, again, I'm not going to read every word here, so I'm going to be skimming through, so hopefully I don't lose you. And let there be light. That was the first day, and God let, saw that the light was good. Look at verse 6. And God said, let there be the expanse in the midst of the water. So now he's separating the heavens from the earth. That's the second day. And then look at, look at verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together. So now on the third day, God's going to create the oceans. He's also, in verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. He's going to make all the plants. So he makes the oceans and the plants on, the, on day 3. And in verse 12, at the very end, it says, and God saw that it was good. Verse 14, and God said, let there be light in the expanse of the heavens. And, um, and so he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. And Isaiah um, 40 talks about that psalm 147 talks about that how did he create how did he create everything including the stars he spoke them into existence isaiah isaiah 40 talks about this he says and he spoke the stars into existence calling them out by name right and so 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 he does that and then in verse 18 and god saw that it was good keep going in verse 20 and god said let the waters swarm with the living creatures, and let the birds fly over the earth. So now he's going to make all the things in the oceans that freak me out, and he's going to make the birds, right? I'm not an ocean person. Sharks do kill people. That's a reality. I've seen it on television, right? Okay. Um, I know. Poor Chris is back there going, I swim in this. She swims in a cove with sea lions. You know what eats sea lions? Sharks. Okay. So that's, you know what? That is a woman of great faith. Okay. Um, so he prays over pipes and she swims with the sharks. Um, and he says in verse, none of that is in my notes. In verse 21, and it was good. Now, now, last one, and look at verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind. So now he's going to bring forth all of the animals of the earth. And then it says, and God made the beasts of the earth, in verse 25, according to their kinds, livestock according to their kinds, everything that creeps on the earth, everything according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. That's not the end of day six, but it's the end of the first point, is how to, like knowing your place in creation. So here's, here's the amazing thing about everything I just read. Outside of the power that God spoke it into existence, and just and God's creation. And I'm not getting, we've, I've taught through Genesis. We've taught through this passage in Genesis multiple times. We're not going to get into whether it was a little, six days or not. That's not what this is about. Here's what this is about. These events happened thousands of years before Moses recorded them. Moses wrote the Pentateuch. From the time they happened to the time they were recorded, they were kept through oral transmission. They would recite these things over and over and over again. Here's what's interesting about that. The, the phrase, and God said, is the phrase in Hebrew, wa Elohim yomer. Wa, Elo, wa is just the, is the Hebrew word and. Elohim is the, is the Hebrew word for God in the plural form. Yomer is, and he said. So when it says, and God said, every single time we read that, there were seven of them that I just read. Verses 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, and 24. And all three, it says, wa Elohim yomer. And God said, say it with me, Wa Elohim Yomer. One more time, Wa Elohim Yomer. You guys now know Hebrew. It says, and God said, here's what's interesting. The very next letter in each of those seven times is the Hebrew letter hey, like the H sound. So what would be, what they would, they would, they would recite these things rhythmically. That's how they would memorize them. So it would get to this point of going, Wa Elohim Yomer Hayah. And God said, let. There are a couple of times where it's a different version of the word hayah because of the 
I won't go into all the details of the, of the forms, but it's, it's still an H sound. It's, instead of haya, it's yahi. But it's all seven of those are wa, Elohim, yomer. Now we get to, so, so, so God is making a point. So here's, and that brings us to our second point. Look at verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Here's what's interesting about that. Wa Elohim Yomer, no The next word, the only time it happens in this whole passage is it starts with the Hebrew letter nun, N. So he says, Wa Elohim Yomer Nasa. Here's what that would do for, for thousands of years as they recited this. Oh, wait a minute, something different's about to happen here. Because they would be habit. It would, be, it would be this rhythmic thing. And then all of a sudden, when it changes from a to a n, wait, why did he do that? The answer is because he's showing us our second point. It affirms how prized you are. He's saying, man, I created everything, including the amazing stars, sun, moon, all of it. I created all of it. I spoke all of it into existence. And then I paused for a moment to create the pinnacle of my creation. And that's what he's going to read next. And oh, by the way, he also, and many of you know this, transitions from the singular to the plural. Because what does he say? And God said, let us make man in our image. Let, wait a minute, us? He wasn't talking to us before. He's saying the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, us, plural, the plural form, in our image, plural. And the word for man there is Adam. Sometimes it's just translated human, humankind. There are times where it's actually, Adam is actually used for the word, the name for Adam. Like Adam and Eve, Adam. But more often it is used just for the term humankind. So he's saying, so, so in, his, in the way it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, this passage is saying, let us, the plural form of God, make humanity, all of humanity, men and brothers, you are an image bearer of, of God. Sisters, you are an image bearer of God. This is not like, well, men are, this has nothing to do with that. He's saying all humanity is made in his image. Now, why does that matter so much? That's the question we're looking at. Well, first of all, I want to stop and say, guys, because some people have said, well, of course, Adam and Eve were made in man's image, but that was because Genesis 3 hasn't happened yet. Right? And after the fall, we're no longer image bearers. That is simply not true. And I won't take the time to show you, but in Genesis 5 and in Genesis 9. So in Genesis 5, after the fall. And in Genesis 9, after the flood, God describes humanity as, guess what? His image bearers. You don't even, and you go, okay, but those are, that's all Old Testament. What about New Testament? You know what James says in James chapter 3 when he's talking about the tongue? We just went through James a while back. When he's talking about the tongue, and he's like, hey, the tongue is powerful, and it sets a fire. And he says, with it, with the tongue, you both bless God and curse your brothers and sisters, man, who are, but it doesn't stop there. He says, who are the very image bearers of the one you just blessed. Wait, wait, James is saying what? He's saying all of humanity, even now, still bears the image of God. Guys, the magi- I, I love the Redwoods as majestic as the redwoods are, as powerful as secret- and beautiful as like a horse, like Secretariat, and I only like because I saw the movie, right? 
Um, and if you haven't seen the movie, you ought to see the movie, because it is actually a really good movie for Disney. Um, it even has gospel music in it. I mean, it's pretty cool. So Secretariat, look it up. Not right now. Um, as, as loving and loyal as every one of your dogs. Yeah, but you know, you, Doug, you don't know all that stuff about dogs. You don't understand. My dog is different. My dog, man, loves me. I can just tell. Look, guys, it's a dog. It loves you like it loves the alpha male or the alpha of its pack. Yes, it loves you with dog love, not, not human love. Guys, as smart as they make animals appear, man, look at what Shamu can do. Look at what, like, as, guys, there's only one part of God's creation that is made in his image, and it's because it's the only part that, is, that was given any sense of morality. The thing that your dog, oh, but you don't understand, my dog would defend me. Guys, it's not defending you because it loves you so desperately and it believes it's the right thing to do. It's defending you because it's instinct and it's, tr- and it's defending its pack. Yeah, guys, just understand this. The crocodile that eats the zebra does not go home that night and with, like, with feelings of guilt and remorse for killing. But we do and should. Right? It's, it's, we are, but, but here, but, and, and some of you are sitting here going, and, and many of you have friends that are going, of course I would not believe any of that. But I'm here to tell you subtly, man, so subtly the enemy has caused this idea that, that we are not really image bearers. Like we're not a special part of creation. I mean, we, we maybe are in that we're smarter, we're what, but, but we're not really the point of creation. And guys, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. If you hear nothing else that I say, and that all by itself should make a difference. In fact, all of the rest of creation was driven to a point just so that human beings could exist so that we could give glory to God in that existence because we're his image bearers. That's it. The tree, the tree, yeah, the trees, thank you, Scott. The trees, the horses, they do not give glory to God the same way we can. The heavens declare the glory of God, but you are his masterpiece. But we don't believe that, guys. I, I, here's how I know we don't believe that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is a quote from a, a, an atheist, probably somebody I studied as a non-believer, Dr. Singer, he was a professor at Princeton University. He, he, this is one of the better things he said. I'll just tell you that. I mean, yeah. If a house is burning down and there is a person in the house who is physically challenged or a mouse who is in perfect condition, we should save the mouse. Now, you read that and you go, okay, but he goes, that thinking has permeated our culture permeated our at some level that thinking is why I was a blubbering baby when I'm when I'm trying to just say you've been a good dog to Gracie now I'm not equating Gracie to a human I'm I'm not saying I'm there I'm not there but there's a part of there that that seeps in because what I should have been able to do is just kind of go it's sad but you know what it's a she's a dog and it's okay well, yeah, no, I don't have time for this. I don't care. Another little story. I, I think he had to go to work. But so, so Brian Johnson, our resident, our resident rancher. So help me with. So, so I love him, Lori and Keegan, and yeah, I love him. He's a, so one of our other pets we had, hamster. <laughs> Carrie calls me one day at work. This is like the girls. I don't know how old they were. They were pretty young. They're like, hey, we're gonna get a hamster. They're on sale. Blah blah blah. I'm like, oh, a hamster. 
We do not need a hamster. I had hamsters, gerbils, mice when I was little growing up. I, like they smell. All they do is procreate. That's their whole job. I'm like, we do not need a hamster. Well, but hon, it's only supposed to live for like 18 months to two years tops. I'm like, so you're telling me I have to suffer with this rodent in my house for 18 months to two years. This thing lived for three years just to spite me. His name was Whiskers. Here's the problem. Whiskers went blind. Towards the end of his life, he started growing a tumor. Pretty soon, this tumor is the size of his head. Like, literally the size of his head. And I'm like, oh, wait, this thing is suffering. We can't. I should just have been able to go like, hey, Whiskers, you've been awesome. Flush. Seriously. This one, Elijah, don't take it up with me. Elijah read it. Right? We are, we are given dominion over the world. Here's the thing. I couldn't bring myself to do it. So we're like, okay, let's take him down to the vet and have the, have the vet put our hamster down. $75! They want $75 to, kill, to, to euthanize a rodent. And I'm like, hey, Brian Johnson, our resident rancher, could you just come over and like, you know, like, do what, do what ranch, what people do with sick animals. You put them down, right? I, now, we, now, now, two th- now, now, by the grace of God, I wake up the next morning and, and, hit, and, and I was like, okay, I'm going to take him to Brian or whatever. I'm, or just throw him into the green belt and hope for the best. But, um, and not tell the girls. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't have done that. Um, and, and Whiskers was wheels up. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. You're good. You are a good God. My point about Brian, Brian two things about Brian. One, I stopped, I started walking with one eye on Brian all the time because when I realized he could very, you know, he would very easily and probably without very much remorse put my hamster down. I'm like, what's he, what's he going to do to me? So I'm like, okay. And, and he's a big dude. But the second thing is I, what I realized is his way of thinking is far more biblical than mine. That's the bottom line. And that's why it's worth telling that story. But, but think about how much that kind of thinking has crept in. I go back, like that, that's, that whacked out singer person. Guys, I, I want to commend to you this book. I think it'll come up on the screen. It's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. As you can see, it is not an easy book. I heard it on a lot of podcasts. Carrie had to read it for one of the classes she was taking as she was going, finishing up her master's degree. Um, it is not an easy read. The man is brilliant. He's a Christian. I think he's from England or Scotland or something right? Um, you can get it on Audible. I'll, I'll be honest. When I say read, that's what I meant. I, I get it on Audible. He reads it himself. Here's the thing about this book. Ultimately, what he's trying to get to is he's trying to get to the answer of what I said at the very beginning. How do we get to this place where something like LBGTQ, especially the T, where people can really believe that transgender, like or that gender is fluid, how did we get to that line of thinking? And he, went on his, and he went on a search as a Christian. And, and what I love about it is he does this so graciously. He is not there to bash every example he gives. He's just there to say, this is the world this guy grew up in. Because he starts with, so he starts in the beginning. I'm not going I'm, I'm to read because this isn't about this book. It's about the Bible. But I'm, he starts with um, um, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who lived in like, seven, who died in 1778. And he goes, which was during the Enlightenment period. And he starts there. So you can see how, why I mean this is not an easy read. And he goes, because of, because of how the enemy, our brokenness, our fallenness, influenced him. And then he then influenced men like, and I won't even, like some of them that you know. And he keeps going down this list. Karl Marx. Charles Darwin. Someone I 
I mean, I have a degree in biology. I, I was a God-mocking, evolution-believing atheist. Right? And, and, and now I, I read this and I go, wow, this is what led Darwin to think the way he did, which is what Marx used to think what he did, which is what led Nietzsche to think what he did, which, oh, by the way, led to Freud starting to think like he did, Sigmund Freud, 1900s, right? And so on. So here's the answer. So here's why it's worth the read. If you really want to get to know what's going on in the culture, we have to figure so so that we can, with love, not with a sledgehammer, with love, we can engage with the culture and say, hey, so tell me why you think the way you think. Right? And, and let's talk about how that's working for you. Right? Like, like, we need to know how they got there. Because most of them, guys, most people have no idea why they think LBGTQ is even a thing. Like, why they think that would make sense to them. They don't know. They just know it feels better than telling someone they're wrong. That's the bottom line. That's their motivation. They're like, I just, I just don't want to be that person. And I, and I understand that heart, but we have to, and I'm taking way, way too much time on this, but guys, it is so important that we know what we know, also exegete or understand what the culture knows, and figure out how our answers are better than theirs. And that's the bottom line. It's, don't read a book like that to go, here's what was wrong with Freud's thinking, and here's what was wrong with, read that book and go, okay, here's what they're thinking, now how do I show them Jesus is better? We got to get better at that last part. Instead of saying, here's why you were bad, here's why you were wrong, here's, why, here's what's wrong with that, we, we got to get better at showing Jesus is better. Guys, if we want marriage to get better in this country, let's show Christianity as a better way to do marriage. Amen. Right? Like, that's the reality. Instead of, instead of lamenting homosexual marriage, let's start raising up biblical marriage in a way that really is glorifying. All right, I got to keep going. Bottom line is, we are not self-defining because we are made as image bearers of God. Guys, you, look, look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We are the only... Now, get this. This is the part that where I was, when I was studying this image-bearing stuff, this was probably the most exciting part, and I'm so over time, it doesn't, I don't even know how to do it justice. But then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man was a living creature. Now... now trying to figure out how to make all this work in my head in the time. Chapter 2 of Genesis is just, a, is just an expanded view of what we just read in chapter 126 through 28. So it's not, it's not a repeat. It's just an, it's a detailed view. Here's the thing. We are the only part of God's creation that had life breathed into them. What was that life? Wait a minute. What was that? The trees are living things in some sense. Animals are living things. So, so how, why? What, what's the deal? Why did why does God tell us that He breathed life into Adam and Eve? Because that breath is the Holy Spirit. See, when Adam and Eve were created, they were created physical beings, just like the just like the lion. And then He breathed His Spirit into them, and they became superhuman. And that's who we are. It is the same thing that happened. Remember, remember in Ezekiel thirty-seven, prophesy to the dry bones. He says. And then he says, so breathe over them. And the breath entered the bones, and the bones came to life. Guys, get this. This will warp your brain. After the crucifixion, 
after the resurrection, before the ascension, Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. In John chapter 20, and it says this, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. There's, he's talking to us too. There's the mission. And then he says this, and this will warp you. I want you to chew on this a little bit this week as an image bearer of God, as a born again believer who is an image bearer of God. And he said to them, and, then he said, and as he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know what he was doing to them? At some level, he was making them back into being superhuman. It's the same vision, that, it's the same picture that God has with Adam and Eve in the garden. Here's the difference. The disciples, were, their, their physicality was still marred with the brokenness of this world, unlike Adam and Eve's. We, so how do we get there? Well, we, well, we know what happened, and we're not going to turn there, because I just turned there last week or the week before, and you're going to read about it in your daily readings this week. Genesis chapter 3 happened, right? The, the serpent comes. Hey, why don't you, God didn't really say that you can't eat from that fruit. Because, oh, yeah, you know, he really did say that, Satan. No, he didn't, he didn't really mean that. The problem is he knows that if, if you take a bite of that fruit, you're going to be like him. And what they should have said at that point, they were physically perfect. They were spiritually equipped. I mean, they, they had his spirit living in them. They should have just said, we are like him. But they didn't. And that, they, they died. Right? Death entered the world because they rebelled. And, and that's where most of the world is living today. Guys, this is part of what makes being an image bearer of God is, is physic, it's the physicality, for sure. Every human being that's ever lived is an image bearer of God, and we'll close with that in just a minute. But, it's, but for believers, the image bearing is a rejoining of the physical and the spiritual. And we are stuck in the middle of this already finished but not yet accomplished. So we're, so we're, we're now spiritual beings again, but we're physically still part of this brokenness. And so when that physical brokenness gets completely renewed and restored... When Jesus comes again, we will be back to what Adam and Eve were before the fall. That's the goal for God. That's his, that's his end game. That is the good news of the gospel. That is why image bearing matters. When someone says, wait a minute, because if, if we remove this idea of being an image bearer, and, and we just say, well, everybody's just special in their own way, we also, re we also remove the whole need for restoration. Well, if there's no need for renewal and restoration, there's no need for redemption, there's no need for Christ. So we've got to go back to where those people are. How are you thinking this way? Why are you thinking this way? What's led you to believe this? And, start, and, and gently and humbly lead them to Jesus and say, man, the cross doesn't make any sense unless we're broken. And he came to fix it. And I get ahead of myself because that really is our last point. So, the table talk question that is on the back of your bulletin says, what does it mean to you, what does it speak to your heart that you are made in the very image of God, that you are the Imago Dei, that you are his, that's what, that's what Imago Dei means, your image bearer of God. Guys, what does it mean that he has his attention on you right now? God's word says that, that Hebrews, he holds it all together by the word of his power, Hebrews 1 says. Colossians talks about how he's holding everything together. All of creation speaks of his glory, but his attention is on you. Why? 
Because you are made in his image. Right? And so is everybody else. And that leads to our last thing. Do we see the rest? Do we see people, other people, as image bearers of God? Do we see people who we don't agree with, who frustrate us, who we're angry with, who we're struggling with forgiveness with, who were whatever, who, who vote differently, who think differently about LBGTQ issues, who, what, do we see them as image bearers of God? Because they are, right? Every human being who has ever lived is an image bearer of God. If you go back, and I'm not gonna, I was gonna read the rest of the chapter, but Elijah read it for us. But if you look and it says, we're back in verse 26, we're going to see, so this is, this is why image bearing helps us live out the mission. It says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and he's going to have dominion over everything, and he explains that whole thing. And then, he, and then at the very bottom it says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, this is verse 31, and behold, it was very good. Another difference. The only time he uses very good is after he creates man in his image, and it says, and there, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Guys, we were made as, as his image bearers to promote human flourishing. The only way that works is if we see all of humanity as image bearers. Right? And, and it's not just save people. It's the every, because, but, but thinking through life with that filter, guys, it's why Christians have to stand against things like abortion. It's why Christians have to stand against things like euthanasia with love. Guys, it, it, it's, but we don't walk it back far enough. We're just like, that's just morally wrong. Get over here and be better than us. No, what we're saying is, you know, that, that baby that's, that's being knit together in that womb right now is the image of God. That's why abortion's wrong. But if we don't believe that, if we believe what, that singer dude says, he's, that, that, that lump of flesh in that mom is no more valuable than a mouse. Or, oh, by the way, if it tests positive for Down syndrome, you ought to abort it because that isn't a value to society. That's how, this is, guys, walk it back. The next time you hear that, rather than getting angry and going, ah, oh, how can they think that way? And I understand feeling that way because that's my first instinct every single time is to go, whoa. They don't understand. How can they understand? Guys, it is, it is why we must stand against things like sex trafficking, pornography. Guys, no little girl. And just having daughters, man, it's like so acute. No little girl as a three-year-old has the dream of being in that world. And when we embrace that world, gentlemen, gentlemen's clubs, I don't know where that, I'm so glad they just call them sex clubs now because, you know what, there was nothing gentlemanly about it. I'm trying to be as nice as I can because we have kids in the room and I know how many questions you're probably going to get and I apologize for that. But it's got to be said, guys, that, that we are, it's an affront to God, not just because it's immoral, although it is, the lust of the flesh. It's because those people are image bearers of God. And we've got to walk it back to that place. Guys, I'll, this is the last one I'll share as an example, and it's probably going to push the most buttons. This is why, as Christians, we need to care about things like social justice issues, racial issues. It's why we need to care about things like critical race theory. 
which is racist in its, in its inception by definition. But rather than just look at the person who's promoting critical race theory and saying, you are a not smart person. Wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. So walk it back to you guys. But do you understand what, what you're doing is you're taking what God said, which is we are all image bearers. People from every tribe and tongue and nation will gather together. Right? And we're saying these people are more important than these people. You're just flipping the pancake. It's, it's just racism. Right? But what racism is, and it was, and guys, so was slavery. Right? But the reason slavery was so bad is not only was it immoral, but it's because those people were image bearers of God. And we denied that. That's why stuff like this matters so much. Okay, so I, I, I do need to land this plane. How is image bearing and Christ's mission related? That's the last thing I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to mention or talk about. Because it, it's because when we understand that as a born-again believer in Jesus, G, we, are, we are preaching the gospel in the sense of going, guys, Jesus came to restore the image. So there are three things you need to know. One, every human being is born is made, made in the image of God. Every human, everyone, I've already, I belabored that point. Here's the second thing. Every human being has fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You are not sitting here in Christ because you're better than anybody. You are sitting here in Christ, if you're in Christ, because Christ is better than you. That's the answer. Right, like, like, and so, so don't. So when we, so we got to get off. We got to stay off our high horses, and and with gentleness and humility, go. You know what? I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The last thing we have to remember, and this goes back to my point of, if we don't embrace image bearing, then what? Then what do we need restoration for, guys? How does a verse like Isaiah sixty one ten, which says that my heart will rejoice in my Savior? In the glory of my God, because he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with robes of righteousness. Why does that make any sense to somebody? Why does, why does anybody care about that unless they believe that you needed to be covered? Well, Isaiah said that 700 years before Jesus came. What's he talking about? He's saying that when Adam and Eve fell, and that has been passed on to us, his, we are still image bearers. The image is marred. Christ came the, whole, the gospel is that Christ came to make broken things beautiful again. Right? He clothed you with garments of salvation. He covered you with his robes of righteousness. The reason we're image bearers as born-again believers is because Jesus has handed us his wardrobe. That's the only reason. And our job is the music team comes up and we get ready to respond to this. Our job as followers of Christ is to share that story, right? God's story is a story of how, he, how our rebellion led to a marred image. Christ's redemption on the cross took care of that for us, and his final renewal and restoration is going to make us perfect again. So let's get better at walking it back to that beginning place and going, hey, you are made in God's image and he loves you. Like, he loves you so much, he died for you. And he died for you not to make you a better person. He died for you 
to restore the image that was lost. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for, um, I thank you for the truth that, um, that, that in some grand mystery, nothing in your plan was thwarted in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3. When Eve took the fruit and handed it to her husband who was with her, and they died spiritually. They just became much like the rest of creation. You were not up in heaven going, I did not see that coming. Now what do I do? The truth is that the gospel story is the story of creation, rebellion, redemption, and restoration. And you wrote that story before you even created everything we just saw today. Why? Why? I, I, honestly, Lord, we would not do it that way. But we are not you. And the answer is an answer. The answer is because when we go from being this corrupt, broken, dead in our trespasses and sins, and we have that experience of but God made us alive together in Christ, we can now be glory revealers. Glory of your grace. You didn't have to do any of that. You could have just left them dead in the garden. You could have just said, you could just leave us dead. But when you open the spiritual eyes of our heart and we behold the beauty of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the blood-bought redemption of our souls, it empowers us. The image is still not perfect. But man, is it way more beautiful. So Lord, help us to live as image bearers. Help us to lead other people into image bearing. Help us to look at the world as a broken part of your image, as our other people out there in the world as broken image bearers who need restoration. And let us remember that that's why you came. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we sing, I just want to say how...